body tempering. What is it? Is it really effective? And what's the easiest way for you to get started? Hey, everybody, welcome to the Ardello Training Podcast, where we bridge the gaps in strength, performance, and injury prevention. And that is exactly what we're going to do in this episode. My name is Scott Ardell. I'm your host, and welcome to episode number 220. It's great to be back on the show. And as I mentioned last week, I have a new interview coming for you this week. In this week's session, you'll hear from the one and only renowned coach and former elite level powerlifter, Donnie Thompson. Now, I'm really excited to share this interview with you this week. And I've been wanting to have Donnie on the show for a long time. And I would definitely say that this is a raw, entertaining, fun, and information-packed interview session. The content and stories in the session are fantastic, so pay attention to the details. Now, I do want to let you know that this particular interview uh, is not the best in terms of audio recording. The quality is a little bit diminished in the session for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is because, well, this was one of two interviews that I did over the summer where I realized after the interview that my mic was not connected properly. It's a long story, but the short story behind it is that I upgraded some software on my computer and I had to reset a few things. And after that reset, it changed some of my settings and I didn't realize the audio recording were not picking up my mic. Uh, I didn't realize that until doing a couple interview sessions. So this was one of those interviews but anyway, the content is awesome, but you might notice that the audio is not typically as it usually is in the podcast session. So I did want to let you know about that, but I definitely believe that you will get a lot of value out of this session. And uh, I didn't want to let this interview slip by and not publish it because I think it is that good and I know that you will enjoy it. So You're going to hear and learn about the big questions about body tempering. What is it and how he came up with the idea for body tempering, how this was all born, how he came up with the big idea for fat bells. We discussed that in the session as well and what Donnie has to say about the comparison of fat bells versus kettlebells and so much more. A lot of great content in the session and uh, just a few quick things here before we get started. In this session, we discuss training tools, specifically kettlebells and fat bells. Now, I have not used fat bells myself yet, but I have used and endorsed kettlebells for many years now. As you may know, if you've heard this podcast, due to their unique training applications and effectiveness. Now, I'm often still asked about what brand I recommend and what weight to begin with. So the starting weight for a male is typically a 16 to 24 kilo kettlebell. And for females, it's typically an 8 to 12 kilo kettlebell. To see the specific kettlebell, I still currently recommend you can go to ardellatraining.com forward slash kettlebell. Now, you can find this episode online at ardellatraining.com forward slash rt. 220. Again, that's the episode number. Go there to find all the links and additional resources that we discuss in this week's episode. Again, that is ardellatraining.com forward slash 
RT220. So guys, let's do it. Let's uh, jump right into the interview this week with Donnie Thompson. Uh, please excuse the audio. It's not that it's that bad, but it's not typically up to the standard as we typically shoot for here on the show. But again, there's a ton of content in this week's episode, so I hope you enjoy it, and I'll circle back at the end of the interview. All right, guys. First, let me say that this is an interview that I have literally wanted to do now for over a year, I think. I'm I'm super excited to have Donnie Thompson join the show this week. I'll tell you about Donnie very briefly, and then we're going to get right into a, a fantastic discussion. In 1998, Donnie Thompson started competitive powerlifting. He is the first human to ever total 3,000 pounds, and Donnie has eight all-time world records in professional powerlifting. Donnie travels to many universities and high schools around the country, teaching powerlifting, kettlebell training, and mobility methods and experiences to football teams and coaches. So we're going to talk about body tempering to open things up, and I have to say right off the bat that this is an area that I uh, certainly don't consider myself very knowledgeable about, and I think this session hopefully will be somewhat of a masterclass in body tempering. And uh, Donnie, before we get into the interview, I did want to say a huge thank you to uh, to Mandy for helping in setting up this interview. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't be here right now. So thank you so much, Mandy, for all your help in setting this up. Donnie, yeah, she's the one who, she got me to do it. Awesome. <laughs> well, again, I wanted to make sure that I specifically thanked her for that. So thanks so much, Donnie. Let's uh, let's jump right in and talk about body tempering. So, how do you define body tempering? What exactly is it? Um, we kind of came up with a little uh, catchphrase, which like it, it crushes pain out of the body, kind of thing. And uh, that's kind of cool to say, but it's basically the fuses tissue, muscle tissue. That was what we. That's when we discovered it. That's kind of what we um, what, what we used it for because uh, none of us foam rolled because, you know, everybody in my gym's over 300 pounds. And so um, hell, one night we had another 350 plus guys there. And it was like if they get on a foam roll, they'll crush it to the floor. So we had uh, Levi the Fireman, one of my training partners, and I one day we were uh, talking about sports hernias. And I had this drop cut piece of steel it was 24 inches long, five inches in diameter. And it weighed 130 pounds, 135 pounds. And uh, we had a painted ex-wife on it years ago because, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, I'm a guy. So actually, I'm going to say ex-wife, but uh, <laughs> the, nobody wants to deal with an ex-wife. No one wants to, you know, uh, if it goes bad anyway, no, no one wants to. That's how this thing was. Nobody wanted to pick it up. Nobody wanted to move it. And all we used it for was back raises. We'd hold it like a zercher squat and back raise with it. Right. And I told Levi, I'm like. Uh, we were talking about sports training. We're like, well, what, you know, all they have to do is diffuse their stomach muscles. And we use PCB pipes and heavy kettlebell for that with the, the 106. And, and uh, we would do that right before we squatted and that none of us ever had any abdominal problems, no, no, no abdominal wall, you know, tears, no, uh, no sports hernias, none of that stuff. And we, all of us were squatting over a thousand pounds. And um, it was like, well, uh, Levi said, are you sure? So let me, let me try it and put it on you. So I, I put it on his stomach. I don't know why. I just was sitting right there in front of me. So he tried it, and I saw his facial expression. I'm like, oh, no, this is good. And he's like, dude, you got to try this. So I, I got down. He put it on me, and I started rolling. I'm like, holy crap. Then that led to the next day trying something else, trying something. Before you know it, we were doing the quads, and we were doing the shoulders, the chest area. And we started doing the back and the hamstrings and the glutes. And then – 
the last thing, like two weeks later, we're like, let's try the calves. And our, all of us were too chicken. And man, <laughs> we put that foam roller, that the one foam roller we have that, uh, that light members use. They, uh, we put that under our ankles and we rolled the calves and it was horrible pain. And I was like, this, this, and I knew it worked out and the calves sold me because, you know, no one even knows how messed up their calves are in their ankles until they, until they uh, dress them. And, uh, the only time you ever mess with them is if they're injured and boy, it worked like a charm. And the range of motion we got in our ankles and the, the, the ability to squat more, and all the all this flexibility stuff we were doing with bands that we learned from Dick Hartzell, we quit doing. You know, we just, you know, other than uh, the three protocols that we have for the major body parts, like the shoulders, the hips, and the ankles, we, we quit doing all the hamstring stretches, the quad stretches and stuff because the the body tempering just, uh, I got the name. I'm like, it's like, you know, I, I watched this old Highlander film and they were talking about tempering the sword and folding and tempering it. So it's, you know, Sean Carnes like this sword was tempered thousands of times from you know the emperor, to, uh, and I'm like, so I was like, we're gonna call it body tempering, you know, because that's what you're doing. You're you're rolling this heavy thing over your body, and it's 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 tempering you to, to make you stronger. Now we had no, you know, I have a physical therapy background. I'm not a physical therapist, but I taught strength and uh, advanced methods. It's like I was one of the first ones in compression that I learned from Dick Hartzell, and. Uh, I also taught it to Kelly Starrett. You know the story on that. You know the the um. So it went forth, and it was like, make no, we did not, we do not file this under re- recovery. We don't file it under rehab. We don't file under maintenance. It's just strength training. You know, because you know Scott, you have a hundred and thirty-five pound cylinder, or like the ones we use now are one seventy-five. You know. Over the course of the year, when that thing's on your body, as long as it is, you either get stronger or you break. And, you know, we don't want you to break, but so we get stronger. And, I mean, over the course of a year, your absolute strength goes up just because that's on you. Right. So it is strength training 100%, except you don't have to go through an extremity to work the muscle. That's interesting. I, I know that I've seen a statement where it on one of your websites it says that this is not rehabilitative but I didn't really think of it being specific to strength training. I know it fits into strength training, but to actually call it strength training is very interesting. Is there, you know, we have all these sizes, you know, they go up to 175, but we've had ones that are 200 pounds and we certainly like the 200 pound ones, but the person rolling you, it's very hard for them to manipulate a 200 pound, 24 inch cylinder. You know, it's just, right. It's just a little, it just gets away. And so, I'm sure it can be done, but no, no one's going to want to lift it on you. No one's going to, you know, it's just so, you know, 175 is kind of the cap off limit. And and, uh, and we go down to, you know, our lighter ones, like 88, 90 pounds. We call it the cheater. And uh, it's like a cheat, a cheater uh, ex-wife. It's not quite the ex-wife, so it's kind of cheating, you know. <laughs> what what do most people use? Um, most people use the ex-wife size, like the 120 to 130 pounds. Got it. Football players like the heavy ones. They like to. We have a, we have a one called we call a fat husband, and it's a uh, 165 pounds. It's a tube, looks like a cannon, and it's a uh, seven inches in diameter. And there's a five inch diameter, uh, a, a five and three quarters or something, five and a half an inch uh, diameter inside the hollow point. So this looks like a cannon barrel, and um, and that, that ends up being that's easy to use and it's heavy and it's 
the width of it, the diameter or circumference of it is uh, a little more comfortable too. What about the smaller handheld devices? Yeah, those those came up. Well, we we naturally made those right away. We we like the two inch one and the three inch one, and we found getting into the forearms and the tibialis, the anterior tibialis of the lower leg. The um, the those those are the two areas that we want to work. The traps because you have to have something a little smaller to get in there. Right. And uh, uh, so we we you know the bigger guys we use a three inch diameter and smaller too. And Chris Duffin came to visit me over two years ago. And uh, he just called me and said, I'm, at the, I'm in South Carolina. I'm, I'm here to see you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> old crazy man came in, and he did not smile. He did not laugh. I mean, we did everything we could to get that boy to crack up. He, oh, wow. wow. We took him to Bojangles. He never ate a Bojangles before. You know, we took him to Southern Belly and filled him up with this sandwich that's like 10 inches high. I mean, and I thought we'd get a smile. So the oh, last day he's there, he's interviewing me like we're doing now. Yeah. And he cracked the joke, and I just stared, and I'm like, Duffin, was that a, like a joke? Did you just crack a funny? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And he starts giggling. I'm like, dude, no way. Three days, and you didn't crack a smile, and now all of a sudden you're leaving, and you're, you're Mr. Bubbles, you know? So oh, it, was, it, it was really funny, but we enjoyed his time. And I had come up with a we, – we called it boomstick therapy. And if anybody watches horror films, there's an old horror film with, with a guy named Ash, and he's in the Evil Dead series. And he went one of those uh, movies. He had a shotgun, and he went back in time, and he took the shotgun and showed it off to all the the, the medieval age people. And goes, "This is my boomstick." And he you know, <laughs> shot. He shot somewhere, and I was like, "I always love that scene." So I just called it the boomstick. And we uh, we would take. I had grenades from Elite Fitness that I had cored out, and we put on the ends of a two inch rod, and we started going into the pec muscle, under the pec muscle, on the levator, on the back of the shoulder. And on, on the terrace muscles and the infraspinatus on the on the back of the shoulder too. And it we did one minute. We tried different times, but one minute seemed to work the best. And you just repeat it, you know, and it's an eight-level threshold of pain tolerance out of ten. And man, it just freed the shoulder up to do its job, you know, cut down on pec tears, uh prob the probably of getting a pec tear. I mean, it just made you feel and perform better. And that one is accepted way more than the body tempering. And I, even though it's part of the body tempered family, Chris Duffin made, he is, uh, he collaborated with me and he makes the pain pill and the, uh, and the boomstick and, and it's in a PT clinics all over the world now. And, uh, that, that's kind of cool. You know, cause you leave a little mark in that, in that field. And, and of course we do our redneck version at the gym with our PTs come in and we all work on it at the gym. But, uh, basically it's good to see that, um, PT clinics are doing this to regular people and getting great results from it. Yeah. So I, I recently just purchased a, a boomstick. It hasn't even arrived yet as we're doing this interview, but, um, you know, in, in gearing up for this interview, that was kind of my, my, uh, one device to, to get started in body tempering. And, uh, I'm excited about it, but I think, you know, the thing that, that attracted me to that one specifically is just, you know, it's small and you can easily manipulate it into specific targeted areas. Yeah. Um, and the, the ends are domes and it's, it looks good. And the knurling on it is really cool because uh, now you can grab skin and actually drag it like when we call it throttling technique and you could, uh, you know, really diffuse tissue well. And also it's, it's big enough for most people to do the forearms and the tibialis, you know, and, uh, and, uh, the muscles up in the neck. A lot of the LMTs I know use the boomstick to do the scalenes on the neck, and it's been working really well. How do you recommend using this for for strength athletes, or where do you use it? Pri 
pre-training, post-training, what's, what's the best uh, utilization? No, it, it's not going to hurt post-training at all, but it's very helpful if you do it pre-training. The, okay. the problem with that is, is people have are set in their schedule. They come in and they like to train as soon as they walk in the door. And I get that. I've been training 39 years and, you know, 36 of those years, that's what I did too. Well, take that back. About 30 of those years, that's, that's what I did also. But, you know, uh, we did our flexibility stuff that Dick Hartzell taught us years ago back in the early 2000s. That only took about 10 minutes and then we were ready to train. Well, now it only takes about us 10, 15 minutes for us to do the body tempering. And uh, and so well, we do about the boomstick there about once a week amongst us, you know, and none of us are suffering from any, you know, everybody's training heavy, but nobody's suffering from any, you know, uh, problems uh, because most of us are three years deep in this stuff. So our body's ready for it, you know, and it, it, uh, it prior to training is, I think, is the best time to do it. What are the most common uh, areas that you're uh, having success with, with body temper. And you, you mentioned a lot of different muscle groups, a lot of different areas, but what are the most common ones for most people? Um, the, the, the biggest one I see, you know, everybody comes in with some back issue, right? The biggest one is the hamstrings for the men, quads for the girls. And those are the two areas that we see the most of. And, um, what, you know, we, we just attack them. And the girls are a little uh, funny with the quads because they're so, their quads are so overdeveloped, you know, because a lot of girls don't have the big hips that we do, you know, and they have narrow hips. And so their legs have to stop the weight. And over the time, you know, with all their sports they play and the weight that's in, they, they just develop big quads at an early age. And uh, when you go to diffuse the quad muscles and you put that, you know, body tempering device on their quads, they do not like it. And it takes them months and months to accommodate any type of resilience towards that. And, um, you know, it's just uh, – it's just tough on the guys. When you go over a hamstring on a guy, it's like rolling over golf balls, you know, <laughs> knots, 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 and it bumps, bumps, bumps. And then after a few minutes, they all go away and, uh, you know, no more problems. And the football teams are loving it because now they don't have to have downtime with the linemen with, you know, pulled hamstrings. Right, right. So what is the total time pre-training? Is it 10 to 15 minutes? Is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, you could run, you can do, we call it a quickie, and it's a couple minutes long, but we usually do the, the front of your body you can tend to on your own, and the back of the body you need a friend, and um, we'll, uh, you know, all in all, it's about 12 to 15 minutes long. I leave the stopwatch running, and I watch it, uh, you know, I watch, I keep time about how long I go, and it's usually about 12 minutes it takes me to body temper. Does this speed recovery, Donnie? Um, does it speed recovery? I think... Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can make a claim like that. I, I think what it does is it prepares the body to be more efficient in everything it does. So when the body recovers, I'm sure it, it contributes to the body uh, doing its own thing better. You know, because you got to remember, it, it creates a great relationship with the fascia and the muscle tissue, the tendons and the ligaments, and it goes all the way down to the structure. There's really nothing like that, and um, it's. Uh, a lot of people call it aggressive, but it's, it's really not that aggressive unless you, you know, drop the damn thing on somebody. That's aggressive. But the, uh, basically, you know, it's, it, it's uh, a lot of things, Scott, that we notice uh, uh, rehab-wise and all that stuff are just byproducts of what you're you know, doing on a daily basis. So if, you're, if your body temperance, say, four times a week, your body expects it and it, and it performs for it, you know. 
Right. At first, it's just like a diet. It's like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to seize back up. I'm going to dump this, you know, acid dump after post-training. You know, going to get sore. You know, you're not fooling me. And then all of a sudden, after a few months, it's like, you know what? You're going to keep doing this. I'm going to chill out a while. So you don't have the problems you always had before. So there is a... Uh adaptation component to this. Uh, so you mentioned like it's, it's kind of painful, uncomfortable yeah. when, when you start it, but you do adapt to it, right? Yeah. Uh, you talked about adaptation. Let's use a cast, for example, um, and we'll go back to the women's quads. Uh, yeah. The cast for us were very painful for about four to five weeks. Okay. And then it started being where tolerable. And then after about, let's just say five or six months, you didn't notice the pain. There was no pain anymore, and you actually relaxed while it went over your calf muscles. And the same was a little bit trickier for the IT band. I don't know if you're familiar. I know you're familiar with the IT band, but I don't know if you're familiar with ever getting it rolled out with a with a body tempering device. But man, is it painful the first time. It's all you can do to just lay there and let it happen. Right. And then uh, before you know it, it took me a year, and after a year, it started feeling good. This it quit it quit hurting. So now I have a 120-pound um, ex-wife I used to roll my IT bands with once a week, and it's, it's, it feels wonderful. You know, where when I first started, I mean, I, it, I was cussing the storm. <laughs> is, there a, is there a learning curve with this? I mean, is there, do you have to use a certain technique for the, for the methods? Well, that's your best question so far, and let me tell you what it is. <laughs> okay. People that administer this. Have to, the, the success for this starts with, I'm going to roll this person like I'm rolling myself. What I like and what I need, pretty much the person you're rolling needs to. And so, you know, because basically the people we deal with have been training a lot. And if you take the time to, you know, go with the body and treat that person you're working on like you would treat yourself or you would want to be treated, like the old golden rule, you know, it works wonderful, but if you just go through the motions to get it done, it's not that it's not a, that spectacular of an experience. It's like, yeah, that feels pretty good, but you know, the, the person had it was just going through the motions. You could tell the difference big time, kind of like a dog who can, you know, knows if a rotten person comes, they start growling, barking. They're like, man, they don't usually bark. There's something up with this guy, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you can sniff out the people who really aren't into it and they're just doing it to please somebody, you know. Uh, you really have to be um, uh, treat somebody like you would treat yourself or want to be treated. Got it. How do you recommend, um, I guess, getting started with, with body tempering? We tell people, you know, um, we privately sell these devices to uh, my friend Rob Hasselton out in Chicago, and we use Illinois Steel. But people can do this themselves. If they really want this and they really want to get started, they can go to a local scrapyard or their local machine shop, give them the dimers, show them on the website what it looks like, or from their pictures on their phone, give them the dimensions, and you have them made. You expect to pay anywhere from $200 to $500. That depends on the machining you get. But for people who really aren't ready to invest in anything, we like them to take kettlebells, and we take the gorilla tape, tape the butt ends of the kettlebells together. And for the girls, we like 224Ks. For the guys, we like really like 240Ks for the guys. And uh, Wow. We can, yeah, it, it has, it, it's two perfectly round spheres with handles on the outsides. Yeah. And then you start rolling away. You do one leg at a time, put the feet close together. You can get both calves at the same time. 
and it, it really works well. And that, those are the sizes I like for, for most of the people in the fitness world and in the athletics yeah, for kettlebells. And, then, and they can get body tempering done with kettlebells. You know, and they already have them. No one's using the kettlebells anyway for the most part, just a couple not not cases like me who who love kettlebells and uh you know no one's even gonna miss the eight the forty k's taped together so uh, I purposely leave them taped together as long as possible if someone wants to use them and then they break the tape you know but they'll they'll stay together quite a while right and and this would be specific for the um, for the hamstrings and quads that you mentioned yeah yeah, yeah okay. correct and like you can take one kettlebell at a time to do your front of your body if you'd like to I would suggest you take both of them together but if you're a newbie to it you can take one kettlebell at a time and do it and also you know people have these old round dumbbells you know the plate loaded kind and they're really long and they're like 120 130 pounds 150 pounds i've seen people roll people out with the dumbbells with great success also that if they're round not the you know hexagon shape i mean that's <laughs> use your brain you know <laughs> so Donnie, is there a specific specific video that um, you could point people to where they could kind of see the methods in action? Yeah, sure. You can go to um, my. Can I plug my website? You mind? It's yeah. No, absolutely. Bodytempering.com. Yep. Just go down to the icons. You can go down to Instagram or to YouTube and click on those buttons. Facebook, not so much because you got to sort through all kinds of stuff. But uh, the those two those two icons and plus you know the, the Bodytempering.com better cover body tempering pretty good. Also, you know, it's, it's, that's what the name of it is. But, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it, it, those are the two things that you can just really pick ankles all the way up to your, you know, neck and see all kinds of videos on it. And, you know, it was funny when I go to these clinics and teach, they're like, man, I watched the video, but I didn't know it was like this. And I'm like, yeah, that, you know, that's why, you know, uh, I'm not worried about giving free information out there because it's kind of hard to grasp. Uh, you know, you're not gonna watch the video. It's like watching someone squat a thousand pounds. Well, it looked pretty easy for them, but when you get on a thousand pounds, not so easy. Right. Are there any um, big mistakes or a- anything to avoid if someone you know gets started in this? Anything that they yeah, absolutely um, need need to know? Yeah. I've had a few neurosurgeons come in because they were really interested in this, and they came by. Their big thing is they talked about the lymphatic system. Okay. And they explained it to me. I did some research on it, and they would like us to load from the hips first. And then when we were done, this is when you're doing the posterior part of the body. And after we're done, to unload from the hips. And I'm like, that's cool. That's what we'll do then. And uh, that's the one thing that I would suggest for, you know, you uh, science buffs who want to know what this is doing. You know, what's the science behind it? But the other thing is safety. And, you know, um, we don't hear of a whole lot of injuries with this because people are actually very careful. But it, you can get injured dropping a 130-pound instrument on somebody. So the best way to do that is tilt it on its end, okay, and then drag it on the person's butt. That's all we do. We just tilt it, and then we just drag it up there. So that it, you're never standing over anybody with it. You're never walking over anybody with it. You have to load and unload the person at the same time every time. And that's my biggest suggestion. You know, the front of the body, they're on their own. You know, they, they just tilt it on themselves. You know, nobody puts it on their stomach for them. They, they actually just grab it and tilt it on themselves. So that's not really a, not really hard to go over. But definitely, definitely, don't, do not 
pick the thing up and walk over somebody to administer it. You have to just drag it on them. Got it. You did mention the question about uh, the, the question comes up, is there any science behind it? So my question to you is at this point, is there any science behind the, the methodology here? Yeah, we extrapolated the, uh, the research behind foam rolling, which is, you know, the body's uh, in a is not in a passive state in, in, when you foam roll. You have to move around and position yourself properly to get foam rolling to work. And the, the better you do at it, like in body temper, we don't have to increase the time. We just have to increase the weight. In foam rolling, you have to increase your time more and more and more to get better at it. And your body's not in a passive state. And that's that's the one thing that uh, with the research, you know, we, we were able to use about 30 40% of foam rollers research of what it does. And everything's so inconclusive. You know, there's not really uh, increased fascia pliability. There's not really increased lengthening in muscles. And they say there could be, but there isn't. It's like all that science, uh, the, the science, uh, uh, the research that the, the, their scientific studies shows, it's like, well, I'm not any further along than before I read this thing. You know, they're saying it may work, it may not work. Right. You know, uh, conclusive for one person, not conclusive for another. And I'm like, okay, uh, that's fine. But the, the one, the one thing that uh, is going on now is there's all these threats that people are going to take body tampering and, and put st studies to it. And I'm like, go ahead, be my guest. You know, right. and uh, we have uh, somebody from Canada's coming down to do all these things these uh, readings and I'm like these topical readings and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, that's cool. Let's, let's see what happens, you know, but you know, they're looking at me like I'm going to go beg universities and to do these tests. And I'm not because I actually am too busy to, uh, to, um, you know, beg for people's uh, acceptance of this right now. It's just small and yep. it's working well that way. There's really no money as far as, uh, you know, we don't make money on selling X wives. We don't make, uh, you know, the only money's made is if I do a clinic and teach it, you know, it's, it's really a free, it's a gift for everybody. They can, you know, they can come up with their own tools. It's just a method that we came up with and we give it away, you know? So if you don't like it and you don't want the science behind it, if you think it's dangerous, do not do it, you know? So, so on the practical side of that though, what are you seeing? I mean, in the real world, like, so you mentioned increased range of motion. Um, what, what other things are you seeing um, as far as benefits with the athletes and coaches that you teach it to? Uh, number one, it comes off as a reduction in injuries. They don't have the weird, goofy things happening to them all the time. You know, and um, like I said earlier with football players, the hamstrings are really bad and ankle flexion is bad on football players. And yeah. we uh, static temper the Achilles every day for five minutes. And that has really done well. You know, uh, ten, uh, the Achilles is very hard to tame. It's a, uh, Strongest tenant in your body has its own name. Capitalize it. If you type in your phone, it'll capitalize itself. And uh, you know, it's a. I don't know of any tendon like it really. And people think they're stretching it. And I have all these, you know, again, these neurosurgeons, these orthopedic surgeons come and they laugh about that. They say you're not stretching your tendon, your Achilles tendon. Yep, you might think you are, but you're not. But we are definitely bringing pliability to the uh, tendon when we put this 130 pound apparatus on for five minutes because yeah. you're in a passive state and it's just lying there. Right. And it, 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 you know, that has been so far the best thing we have found for the Achilles tendon of anything out there. I mean, no one can touch it 
you know, and uh, wow. Wow. You, you can do heavy massage, you can do all that stuff, but I mean, just straight weight sitting there, you go passive and the Achilles yields. And we get, you know, we've measured, you know, eight degrees of flexion and the athlete did nothing to earn it. Yeah. You know, so it's hey, kind of hey, cool. Hey, Donnie, actually, the Achilles is really interesting to me. And I'm, I'm curious, are you aware of any athletes that have used body tempering that have had a Achilles rupture? Not um, most athletes that I have not run across like active athletes. It's like always these uh, weekend warrior types that, you know, they go push the prowler or put or flip a tire. That okay. Their Achilles and, um, and they come back and the PTs will already have this going on at the clinic and they'll take the boomstick or the pain pill and they'll set it on there, you know, once post-surgery or once they heal up a little bit and they've had great results with it. But, you know, not, uh, we, we really, Scott, honestly, like I always say the best way to heal a pec tear is never to have one. <laughs> right, right. Best way to, to, to deal with an Achilles rupture is never to have it rupture in the first place, you know, and that's, that's where I say I'm strength, strength prep all the way. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to fix a sprained ankle because I don't want you to have or have one. I don't want to fix herniated lower backs because I don't think you have to herniate lower back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like, absolutely. Let's prevent this stuff and preemptive training will help it. And I think the older the athlete, the more close, the closer to 50% of their strength prep ought to be taking place time-wise as the amount of weights they're lifting. So if they're lifting like an hour and a half, well, nobody really lifts an hour straight. They're taking time off and doing, say they're lifting, you know, 40 minutes or 45 minutes. So yeah, the college uh, football teams, they have like 45 minutes in the weight room as a team and they got to get all the stuff done. Well, their strength prep prior to coming in there, what these uh, young athletes need to do is they need to spend 20 minutes doing strength prep. And the older you are, maybe match it, you know, 50% of your time is uh, strength prep. If you're 50, 55 years old and uh, you're hurting, you're not a, you know, you're not taking all kinds of uh, drugs to mask the pain. You know, you might want to spend a lot of time doing strength preparation and then train. Yeah, it's longer, but that's the price you pay for being older. Right. You know, so back to that question I asked about, does it speed recovery for older athletes? Do you find that it does um, help with recovery, with the recovery? Yeah, it, it, it does. It's like it almost is a, has a rejuvenating effect. It's, we have the the old efforts club in our gym, which is about five of us over 50 years old. And, uh, and you know, we, we were talking about how we wish we had this back when we were young, my, the things we could have accomplished. So, but it's really changed the way we uh, approach training, you know, because now we can actually train and not worry about everything snapping. Cause I remember before this came along, every time I benched, every time I squatted, Oh no, I feel this twinge. What's going on? Is it going to rupture? Da, da, da. Now I don't have any of that stuff. I never suffer any of that stuff, but I'm, I stay on top of all that. And uh, but that's I can say and that's my opinion and that's my experience. And this is only three years old, so you would have to really go across the country asking strength coaches and everybody who does do body tempering what it does. Now I can tell you two sources you can go to. Joey Batson, the strength coach at Clemson football, they've been by tempering two straight solid years now. Okay. And Jonas Stration and Eric Hernandez at uh, I have to say Jonas' last name fast because I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like <laughs> or something like that. But uh, yeah, they're the strength coaches for uh, UNC Tar Heels basketball team. 
They've been solid two years. They even have a suitcase for their ex-wife for away games, and they uh, they they take it to all the away games and stuff. And they the basketball players like to be pampered on a daily basis, especially the Achilles. They're you know they're starters and stuff. And then the football team at Clemson, they they love it. I mean, they've got like seven or eight of them, and uh, you know we uh, we couldn't be happier because uh, both of them, I think, won championships last year. I don't, you don't want to brag, but you know, <laughs> I don't, I'm not gonna say it's body tempering because body tempering did it, but it's kind of cool that they both teams are body tempering that happened to win national titles. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, our longest client are the one that has been doing body tempering the longest are the Detroit Lions. Oh really? Or not. Oh wow! Yeah. They have like eleven, and the second longest. Uh, besides Clemson and them, are, is uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is uh, some of those kids body temper almost an hour, you know. Right. But uh, I don't know if you ever been to the Midwest, but those kids from Indiana and Illinois and so all through that Corn Belt there, those are some big, big guys, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was like looking at them like, let me let me guess, you're from a farm? And they're like, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, looking up, you know, their head taller than me. I'm like, damn. Yeah. And it's like. You know, they just love body tempering, and it's like uh, they didn't have to really sell it too much once they started doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. So again, your your website, Donnie, is uh, bodytempering.com, so people can go there, learn more, and uh, learn a lot more about all the things we're talking about. I wanted to make sure that uh, we talked about fat bells. This is something another yep. major reason I wanted to have you on this podcast, and I've ever since I first saw fat bells, I, I wanted to talk to you about it. So uh, a lot of the audience here, as I mentioned, are kettlebell enthusiasts and uh, certified kettlebell instructors and things like that. So talk about the idea. How, how did fat bells develop? I haven't heard that story. And then what are okay. the, the big advantages of fat bells well, versus you know, kettlebells? Everything involving me is a simple explanation. <laughs> it's, I wish I could give you a, you know, a, a star-studded explanation and a, you know, a, a calculated uh, assessment of everything, but... Let me tell you how this started. I was a big kettlebell fan and powerlifting. In fact, I think for a fact I was the pinnacle of, of, of kettlebells bringing it into the powerlifting world. Okay. And Pavel credited me for that because he taught me personally. And in 2003, I met Pavel and I'm like, I said, I, I need to do something for powerlifting. My back is always, you know, I was always uh, bulging a disc or something in my back. And, he goes, comrade. You, he, he really said, comrade. Yeah, that, that's no oh, yeah. joke. You know? oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, uh, he taught me five lifts, and uh, and he goes, I cannot promise you anything on bench, comrade, but I can promise you on the deadlift and the squat. I'm like, okay. So I bought three sets. I bought um, the 24k, the 32k, and the 40k's, and from Dragon Door back in the old days. That was back in 03. Right. Yeah, so I started doing the stuff, and I'm telling you, Scott, I got so strong, so fat. I gained 22 pounds. I wasn't taking steroids or anything at the time. It was like this was real, real stuff. I put two days of nothing but kettlebells in my regimen, and I was like, well, you know what? Everybody's doing these one one arm swings in the kettlebell world. I'm a power lifter, so I de- I have to demand more out of my body than a kettlebeller will, you know, because <laughs> I love barbell work, weight on my shoulders and stuff. So I'm gonna do two at one time. So I did everything double. I did double swings on the outside, double swings between the legs, double swing snatches, double swing snatches to press, you know, double bottoms up swings to, to, to press. And um, it just went absolutely amazing for me. And my total went up over 200 pounds within a year. And um, 
Dave Tate came up to me after the show at Strength in Atlanta in October 2004. And everybody was making fun of me. They said I was doing clown tricks with the with the cannonball with the handle and all that stuff. And I just laughed because I knew I was getting stronger. Dave Tate finally came up to me. He goes, okay, tell me about this kettlebell stuff. I'm a believer because I, I pretty much beat everybody there. If I would have gotten one of my squats, I would have been the champion. But I, I got second place. And they just couldn't believe the, the progress I made. I said, it's kettlebells. I'm telling you. And so then the power of the first, you know, Mark Bartley came on board and uh, – and uh, Mike Johnson, uh, a lot of the, the uh, Andy Bolton, you know, um, everybody started really. Uh, Brad Gillingham, they all started getting into kettlebells and uh, in the powerlifting world. So I went to Westside Barbell in '05 after I won the world championship, and the next day I'm sore as can be, and I'm uh, demonstrating kettlebells with Pavel at Westside in front of Louis and the whole Westside group. Oh, wow. that was kind of intimidating, you uh, know. And uh, I was like, dude, I'm telling you, I'm not giving you any type of you know voodoo here no witchcraft this is real it's real <laughs> it works and it was just i called it the glue that held everything together you know yeah so after i won the world championship uh, in 2005 at the arnold I, I was like i was always by myself swinging you know i could barely get anybody to train with me when it came to kettlebell time because i go two and a half hours non-stop Wow. I would uh, wow. I was swinging the beast and I was I did my dead snatches with the beast. It was a 106 kettlebell. I just got the damn thing. I was so excited. And uh, since I won, I the, they gave me a $6,500 check and I finally had money for the first time. I'm like, well, I'm getting me some kettle, more kettlebells. Dumbass, just buying more equipment when I have no money to begin with. So uh, so I'm in the gym one day at the old compound and I'm I'm swinging this 106 and I'm like. What would happen if I shoved my hand through the center of this thing? That'd be pretty cool. And I didn't think much about it. I went to bed that night. True story. Not making this up. Okay. Went to bed. I had a dream. I actually did it. And the feeling I got was of uh, total, you know, um, perfection with your hand in dead center of the sphere. I was like, holy crap. So I got up real fast and I took a Snapple T lid and I drew the drawing and I made the, the fat bell. I called it kettleballs back then. And I, yeah. Drew, drew the drawing around the Snapple can so I would have at least decent looking picture to present because I wanted to show Pavel what I did, him right. and John Dupin. Okay. And so I drew these drawings up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was really excited. I'm like, this is going to work. And so I sent it. We, we had a conference call. I sent him a fax. And uh, this is, the fax came in. It was This took all about eight months or so. And I took I sent the fax to John Dupin. It's just, you're not just going to call, hey, John Dupin, uh, can I talk to you about the business opportunity? You know, I had to schedule appointment, all that stuff. And so it was a three-way with him and Pavel. And I, they said they would, you know, non-disclosure agreement. They agreed to that. And I showed it to them, and, and they loved it. But right then, that was the height of their kettlebells. And uh, right. they didn't want to compete with them, you know. And I don't want to blame them because, you know, you don't want to line extend your product. You know? And so something bad happened after that. It was like uh, Dragon Door had a split with their, with their instructors. And no one knew what happened. That was kind of right before social media, so it wasn't all talked about and stuff. Every one of the people involved just kept their mouth shut. It was like, man, who do you talk to now? You know. So the project just sat still for a while. And uh, you know, I went to you know almost a half a dozen other companies. They all liked it. Dave Tate loved it. He said, I ain't getting involved in that cost. And because, uh, uh, but it's a cool idea. Right. And uh, finally, I got an appointment. Kelly Sterrett got me an appointment with Rogue. Yeah. And I went there, and they just loved them. But they, they couldn't cast them because the, the expense to do them in America cost so much money. It was like a dollar seventy-five a pound to just get them cast. You can't even sell them. 
for, for anything like that and uh, make a profit. So it went on hold. Another company tried to make them, and that did not work out. And that's all I can say. Uh-huh. And I told Rogue, I wish to God you would have made these back in 2012 when I was there. This is really sucks dealing with this other company. And so Rogue sends me back an email five minutes later, the owner of Rogue, Bill Henniger. He says, Donnie, give me a call tomorrow. We'll make these for you all day long. And I'm like, well, what changed? He goes, he goes, in 2012, we only had very few suppliers worldwide. Now we are vertically integrated. We have suppliers at every level from the top to the bottom worldwide. We, this is no problem for us to do. I kind of even forgot about the project. And I was like, well, hell. And that's what started it. And I had wow, a wow. 3D the engineer was on the phone with me, and we were, he drew the exactly the way I wanted them, and he made it perfectly mathematically balanced. So when it's in your hand, it's balanced perfectly. You know, it's like uh, your hand's dead center mass mathematically. And uh, and so the they started with five sizes at first, and um, by May I got that was February, and then by May I got the first prototypes. They got seventy three sizes, and I got the I was like, you know, I, I gotta say it's like. You know, 10 years at this, and now you're seeing your first prototype. <laughs> oh, it's, it's kind of hard. It takes your breath away. And uh, so I wish I had doubles, but, you know, that's what I got. And uh, then that October of 2015, the crate, our first crate came in, their uh, shipping container, and they got the – they launched the thing, and people were going crazy. And, I mean, I had about 80% negative backlash on it. Really? About 20% positive. Yeah, everybody's like, wow. it's a flower pot. It's a glorified rogue will do anything to make a pot. <laughs> oh, jeez. This, this is some CrossFit crap. You yeah. know, it's like, no. Oh, like, the rogue's like, a powerlifter designed this. Sorry, it's not CrossFit, you know. But then you couldn't tell these people anything. But if I don't know if you remember in 2003, when Dragon Door started doing well in kettlebells, everybody that you talked to kettlebells about hated them. They were like, this is stupid. I could just swing a dumbbell like that. You know, I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, right. No, you can't. But, you know, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. and kettlebells were met with such mass resistance. It wasn't for about five years that they started getting acceptable. And then companies started coming in and actually manufacturing kettlebells to compete with Dragon Door. Right. And right. back then, Dragon Door was the only deal in town. And then, like everything successful, people come in. They're like, I want a piece of this market slice too. And, you know, sure. and, They'll make them cheaper and sell them cheaper, and that's business in America, right? And so, I, uh, you know, I, I made a mental note of that, and I thought about instead of being mad at these people for saying something they never even put their hands inside one, let's just see what time yields. And so, I try to stay positive. All my kettlebell only friends, I'm like, look, this is not replacing the kettlebell. It's a, it's a brother to the kettlebell. It's not going to replace. We want you to use them. I'm not going to make any claims that they're better. And I'm just making claims that they're equal to. All right. And what you ought to do to wet your feet, just start swinging them by the rim. Don't even grab the handle in there. Do rim swings. Once your grip gets strong, go back to your kettle. When you start doing kettlebells, you're going to have a grip like you would not believe. And that has worked somewhat. The kettlebellers are now actually using them for uh, swinging them by the rim with one hand at a time. And it's, it's, they, they really like that and they don't feel like they're committing, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the fornication by, uh, you know, cheating on their spouse, the kettlebell, you know, right. right. <laughs> and it's like, use any training, 
you know, honestly, just use training means necessary. If the kettlebell is going to work better, I'm going to use that. If the fat bar is going to work better, I'm going to use that. If a fat bar works better than a 45 pound bar, I'm going to use a fat bar. I don't, I don't have any relationship to an Olympic 45 pound bar because it's always been around. Right. You know, there's better bars now. Now, I'm not an Olympic lifter, but if I'm an Olympic lifter, I'm going to pick, you know, the good Olympic bars. Anyway, that's my point. I'm like, it's just a training tool. It's yeah. not replacing anything. However, you know, since no one knows the owner and the inventor of the dumbbell because it's 2,500 years old, um, I will have no problem saying it destroys the dumbbell in every single way. You know, the, the, it really, the dumbbell has nothing on it. It cannot beat. The only thing the dumbbell can say it does is it has a way more size, size, uh, you know, five pound, two and a half pound increments and stuff than the current fat bell has. But other than that, it's, you know, doesn't measure up in any way possible. And if you don't believe me, give them a whirl and try it. Lift them for, you know, a couple of weeks. You go back to fat uh, dumbbells when you, and quit using them and see what you think. And you'll say, you know what? The old fat X power lifter was right. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, is it, is it a better tool? So you said it's better than the dumbbell. Is it a better tool for bodybuilding type effects for hypertrophy? Yes. Yeah, 100% better because you've got more range of motion and more rotation than you can with dumbbells. And since your hand's dead center mass inside a steel sphere, you're in a perfect lifting environment. You know, I always told people if uh, – if the spear wasn't perfect, God would have created the world dumbbellular, you know. You know? <laughs> the spear just makes sense. If you look back in time at the old, you know, old turn of the century, old strongman and stuff, they all, all the barbells and all the dumbbells had round ends, remember? They look like cannonballs on the end of a stick. Right, so uh, right. um, the spear has always been the, the number one geometric shape. Uh, the one thing when I was researching, I was like, the, mathematically wise, it, it, the spear has the least surface area of any geometric shape and holds the most volume of any geometric shape. I'm like, huh, well, why don't we put our hand in the middle of that? But <laughs> We got a perfect thing. Right. And, uh, you know, and when we ran the patent on that stuff, there was actually people that had came up with this earlier, but they never had a prototype. And it just got, it just died. That first one was like 1895 was a boxing glove and it was an iron boxing glove that you put your hand in. You know, that wow. nothing ever happened. And then they started getting sort of similar, but you know how the old stuff is. And like it, it, they couldn't engineer it with computers like we do today and make them perfect. So it was just uh, so we've got crude versions of the fat bell out there uh, or kettlebell, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but uh, you know, they, they there was people that had come up with this idea. But when I ran the search in a file, I couldn't find anything on Google and stuff. It took the patent attorneys to find that crap. And it was pretty cool. You know, it's like, oh, wow, this is a. So it's not a uh, it's it's it is my conception. It is my you know innovation and all that stuff. But you know, like everything, like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. Someone else somewhere did it before. Yeah, they just didn't brand it. You know, they didn't make it. And oh well. So uh, you know now now there's already three other companies that are making them. That their versions of them. You know, so it's oh, like wow. Uh, wow. that's flattering to me because yeah, you're just validating. My conception there, you know. Yep, exactly. That's just uh, I like the validation. I hope five other companies come in because I can tell you this, not bragging, but with Rogue and with the, uh, you know, with the fat bill design and the way it's going and the way of the price, it, it's just uh, it's I'm going to crush the competition for many years, you know. Yeah. Unless I royally screw up, I'll crush them. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, well, we're I mean, on top of this so big. You're, you're not going to beat the person who who's passionate about it. You know, a, a mimicker or a copycat of anything has no passion. They're in it for just money and what profit they can get out of it, and they're riding coattails of the success of others. So, with that being said, it's not hard to beat those people. You yeah, know, because yeah. they lack the they lack the drive that that I would have. You know. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Rogue's equipment. I recommend their their kettlebells and all the equipment they put out. I think it's all top-notch equipment and all the, all the apparel, like everything they, they sell on their website. I have a lot of stuff and it's all mind-boggling. I, don't, I yeah. don't even understand how they did what they did. And, uh, yeah. You know, there's uh, some great other, there's other companies out there that aren't Rogue's markets per se that do real well too. And uh, they have stood the test of time. You know, uh, one elite FDS, you know, we, you, Dave Tate, I mean, you just can't. That guy's incredible. He's done great stuff. And yep. There's some other, other vendors out there, but those two really seem to have the strength market. You know, and some of your big, big companies like Hammer's been around a long time. Hammer Strength, uh, sure. Powerless. Uh, uh, who's the other one? Um, anyway, I can't remember, but just, you know, some of these brands that have been out, they've been putting good equipment out for a long time. So yep. it's just been, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool. And, you know, there's always comfort. There's always room for competition. There's always uh, everyone will create. A, will have a piece of the market. Rogue cannot please 100 percent of people, and you know neither can Elite FPS. So yeah. Hey Donnie, so is there an exercise or a couple of exercise exercises that you think that um, fat bells are better than kettlebells? Um, you know. That's like saying, do you like green apples or red apples? Green Smith apples or the red and delicious apples or the gold apples? You know, yeah. you're going to do well with either one. Um, uh, the, there's some specialty things I like, like the one-arm bar. I like that a little bit better. I like the overhead presses with them better. Um, I like front squats with them better because they're harder. Okay. Um, so, so, I mean, yeah. there, there's some things that, it, you know, I still use the kettlebells too. And because I like that thud, you know, when you do a snatch with the kettlebell, thuds. I like that. I like that force <laughs> yeah. going through the body. But yeah. tell you the truth, Scott, not a lot of people like that thud on the arm. So right. that's the fat bell will win out on that one with them. So, but I do them both. Okay, all right, that's fair. What what uh, weight would you suggest? So someone that is listening and they are interested in fat bells, maybe they've heard about them, they've heard about them before, and now they're like, okay, I'm ready to test them out. Do they start yeah, with you, a single fat bell and then what weight, you know, doubles? What's, what's your recommendation for male? I would female? say for a female, get the 18 pounder. For the male, get the 35 pounder. Okay. So similar to the kettlebell then. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the same weights as kettlebell. They go by, they don't have the kilo weight on them, but they are kilos. They're, they're basically kilos. Like the, 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 the 16K for the man, that's a 35 pound. And the, the, whatever the 18 pounder is, what is that? Well, uh, 8K or something. If you're a little stronger than most, uh, the female ought to go with the 16K, the 35 pounder, and the man with the 24K. Got it. Uh, anything else about uh, fat bells that um, I really just wanted to figure out? Kind of, and I think you explained it beautifully. It's kind of the brother to the to the kettlebell. You explained the differences between the dumbbell and how they are, they're all different, and they have different uh, benefits and utilities. So. Yeah, if you're a new gym owner, and you're you're a CrossFit box, a small gym, you know, a powerlifting gym, which uh, you know those those are hard. But uh, you know, uh, uh, if you're a fitness center of some kind, you really need to think 
about before you buy one dumbbell of just getting a small line of fat belts first because you're wasting money on dumbbells because the future is going towards these things, whether you get them from me or you get them from the competition. And uh, the the same company like Michael Rogue, I mean, you can get all your kettlebells from there and you can get all your fat belts from there. So it's a no-brainer, really. But uh, yeah, definitely if you're going into the future, you need to think of these things because don't be the last and be like everybody else after a while. Be one of the first hitters out there. You know, say, I'm going to try these damn fat belts. I'm going to give them a shot. Just get a few at first and then add to your collection. I know Rogue does a sale on them around uh, Thanksgiving or Halloween, and um, we got them for free shipping last year. And uh, we saved like a thousand bucks. I got the whole set and saved like a grand. Now, see, you know, everybody goes, Well, you're Donnie Thompson, right? I'm like, I got to pay for myself from Rogue, just like you. I go on the computer, they don't say, Hey, Donnie, or anything. They, 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 I got to buy, <laughs> you know? So, uh, they know it's no, uh, no favors there, but I don't mind, you know, it's just, uh, I support that company, it supports me. Yeah. Yeah. Actually the, it's the, uh, Matt black Friday that's around Thanksgiving and that is a phenomenal sale. I've taken advantage of that a couple of times. Oh yeah. yeah. Holy crap. That's a, and it lasts a while too. It's like a yeah. week long. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that would be the time to get your kettlebells, plates, fat bells and all that stuff. Anything with weighty, if you can get free shipping on it, stuff, you're, you're going to bang. Yep. So Donnie, I know you have, um, some other inventions i guess out there is there anything else that you want to mention uh as we get ready to to wrap things up um yeah as far as my invention and stuff i mean my some of my oldest ones aren't even out yet but the it's like uh mark bartley and i was spudding straps he he does my bow tie and uh the bow tie came up out of necessity dick hartsell originally back in 0506 he would take girls because their shoulders would be slumping forward and that was before the cell phones were even real big right. you know he would double a, a, a band, a mini band, and put it around his shoulders to relocate the humeral head into the center of the socket. Meaning, just meaning your upper arm bone goes right in the center instead of leaning forward. Where well, it's supposed to be. Yep. Right, right. Now, <laughs> right. you know, uh, any surgeon will tell you that the, for activity, the shoulder works best when the humeral head is located dead center socket. Yep. So with that being said, that's, that's what it did. And I was like, you know, the minimans didn't work on us guys, and we tried every contraption. Then when you finally get one on, it just cuts into your, you know, cuts into the anterior part of your shoulder. And I'm like, you know, we got to come up with something. So we we were measuring to make the bow tie one night, me, my two friends of mine and I, uh, the house and uh, Danielle. And uh, we were like, we had these insert gripper wraps, and I don't know if you're familiar with power division, but these have like rubber exposure at the bottom. They are hardcore. Yeah, uh, so we had these three meter knee wraps, and I'm like. I'm trying to measure on how to make a bow tie. And we already called it bow tie with the band. When we were doing it with the girls, we said, hey, bow tie the shoulders. So we had branded that name already. And then we go, we, we wrap and I'm like, holy crap, does this feel good? Now, our fingers lost circulation within 30 seconds and stuff. It was pretty <laughs> so we, we put that thing, and, you know, so I said, you know, we need to show this to people. So we didn't talk about my bow tie for sale, but we gave away the bow tie that night on Friday. I did a video, we gave it away. We just call it ischemic therapy for the shoulders because what people don't realize, and this is where I come in on my simple study program, um, the shoulders are an unloaded ball and socket joint. Unlike the hip, they're very similar, but the hip is loaded the whole time you're awake, okay? Even when you're sitting in a chair. The shoulder is not. When you're done training, the only time the shoulder is loaded is when you're pressing weight or pulling weight. That's it. Otherwise, they just hang there like slabs of meat. So with that being said, you got all these problems with the muscles surrounding the joint. Right. And 
Yeah, and so it's like, and you know, labrum tears are just monumental now. They're epic proportions. They're uh, we didn't really have them in the '80s, but now with the age of the computer, the cell phones, technology, gaming, you know, the shoulders are, you know, interior. Uh, they have an interior tilt to them, and the upper thoracic back is like cyclotic on young kids already. You know, yeah. So it's like, uh, damn. So, you know, we have to correct that through strength. But one of the things the bow tie does is that when we did that with the knee wrap, it got your brain to like, hey, this is where this feels good. And it opened the brachial plexus up. So now five minutes of that ischemic therapy is so well on the shoulder. You can go to squat and bench. You can get under the bar. You can bench. It's like, man, this is – I feel fresh, you know. Right. And especially someone who's been training a long time or doing overhead sports, you know, they, they really welcome this. So when the bow tie came out, they were like – it's not tight enough. I'm like, it's not supposed to be. This is subtle. And then I get every day someone said how their life has changed with a bow tie. And that kind of blessed my heart because it's not made. It's not a medical device. It's not a posture corrector. You know, it's not, it's not a brace. It is simply ischemic therapy. It's compression around the shoulders, the, the glenoids. That's all it is. And compression, as you know, when you compress your knees, when you compress your hips, when you compress your wrists and elbows, it, they're a lot happier. And that's all this does. And that's what, you know, the one thing I found, and when we did that knee wrap around the shoulders and gave it away, I had pictures from people all over the world doing it within a week. Around the world. I was like, wow. You know, I'm not even a social media doc. You know, I'm not popular. I don't have a big following. You know, and it's like, this really went crazy. So one of those uh, social media popular people would do the bow tie and everybody and this one girl goes, I'm just going to try this. I didn't see any big deal. I'm like, it's free. Don't bitch about it. <laughs> right. You didn't have to pay for it. It's stuff you already have in your gym. And so that's uh, that's one thing, you know, and, and Spud was my training partner for seven years. We powered it together. Through, we started together. We went through up to he got injured, and I continued until I got out and got my goals. But it's, it's been a pleasure working with Mark Bartley and Susan Bartley. And uh, they, they've done really well, and, you know, they've got the avenues with the straps to go to the Rogue and Elite FTS, Captain Jack and Westside Barbell, they'll all carry the product. Excellent. Quick question about the bow tie, and I'm just curious the uh, typical time frame that someone would, would wear this. Yeah, uh, we have two that are once a casual and a formal. Casual is a little softer than the formal. And if you're training, I suggest the formal. If you just want to sit behind your computer and play on a computer or drive, I suggest the casual. A lot of people get both. And you know, if you cannot wear that thing for an hour comfortably, it's too tight on you. You know, yeah. and so, you know, the biggest complaints, the only complaints we have, the bow tie, it's never, it's not effective. The two complaints are I got the wrong size and my size isn't in, you know, they don't have it in stock. I'm like, well, I don't, I, I'm just the inventor of it. And I get a royalty check. I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah. not, I don't control any of that other stuff. So, you know, I, I try to do what's best to help people. And I try to answer, you know, if they give me their weight, I can tell them what size we need off the bat. They don't want to look at the sizing chart, but. Those are the biggest two complaints, and um, you know, they, other than that, I know a guy out in California, Jimmy Bluff. He's one of the lead massage therapists, and that's not what he calls it. He calls it uh, surgery without a knife. And uh, yeah. and he said he he loved it. And I, I thought, man, he's gonna rip me up on this. And he's like, he's like, dude, this is awesome. He's from California, and I, he's like. If you have arms, you need a bow tie. I was like, I love that. Maybe the millionaire, you know, oh, that's uh, funny. that slogan. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can see the tactile kind of uh, proprioceptive input that 
that that would provide. I've only seen a couple, you know, pictures like on social media and things like that. So I'm glad that you brought that up specifically. That was another thing I, I did want to ask you about. So yeah, and another thing with the book tag coming out, there was, we count 18 people coming up with shoulder braces. The problem is all 18 claim posture, claim medical correctness, and it's just like, man, you have 18 people on one side of the fence all saying the same thing. Then you have you know, the old fat guy on the other with the bow tie whose shoulders feel amazing saying, this is not a brace. It's not a posture corrector. This is strictly ischemic therapy. It's compression for the shoulders, you know, and your shoulders are unloaded. They need this stuff and your shoulders love it. So and if you don't believe it, just try the knee wrap version yeah. of free. Try the free version and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. And Donnie, how long has this been available? It's been available since October. All right. Well, again, I don't want to uh, keep you longer than I than I promised you. I have a couple of quick questions, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, All right. Again, your your main website is bodytempering.com. Is there anywhere else that you want people to go to find you online and connect? There's, um, well, my um, that has all my information on it, so they can just go right there and you know okay. emails and yep. phone numbers. Uh, uh, Mandy is my um, lovely assistant, and she. Actually answers the phone. I'd never answer the phone, and that number is eight zero three five three seven zero nine five one. And so that that's on the website also, and um, you, all the social media stuffs on there. So I mean, that's a one stop shop, really. Excellent. Um, so I'm, I was debating whether I was going to ask you this question, but I ask virtually every guest this question. But is there a book that you could recommend to the audience that has impacted you the most? And before I even I'll let you think about that a minute. I have a book on my desk uh, titled Easy Strength by Pavel and Dan John. You mentioned Pavel earlier in the interview. You're here on page 183, and you have, there's a little uh, blurb in here about your experience with kettlebells that you talked about earlier in the show uh, with a 48-kilogram kettlebell yeah. beast. So that, that's a great book, and, and here you are writing that one. But is I there... wrote a forward to one of Pavel's books. I don't know which one it's called because I let it oh, really? go I have one of my ex-girlfriends uh, borrowed it and never gave it back. Oh, you know, wow. Well, yeah, I was, I was very, I'm still upset about this year, 12 years later. Here, here's another quick thing, actually. I've, I've met Pavel and heard Pavel speak several times, and he's, he's mentioned you quite a bit in a lot of his lectures. So I know that, um, I don't know where your guy's friendship is or whatever, but I know that Pavel thinks very highly of you and has referenced you many, many times in, in the presentations that I've heard. So, Well, it was uh, – it was – a two-way street with Pavel, you know, he helped me, I helped him. And uh, through him, I met some incredible, uh, you know, Steve Cotter, I met him, I met um, uh, Jeff Martone, uh, that guy was incredible, uh, Steve Maxwell, uh, uh, Mark Rifkin. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I was very fortunate, you know, and they gave me, they helped me realize my dreams, kettlebells, Push me over the edge powerlifting because if I could have done just like every what everybody else done, it's a roll, you roll the dice. But I did something different, and that's what got me, that's what shot me to the top. So, and then in turn, when the powerlifting community and the strength community caught on, they in turn started buying into it and they started buying their products, you know. So it was a it was a two-way street there. And I'm forever thankful because when you help somebody achieve their dreams. You know, fulfill lifelong goals. Man, yeah. You're you're forever grateful. 
you know, and I, I'm, I, if it wasn't for kettlebells, I would have never been a powerlifter that I would have been. Wow. That I was. <laughs> so um, back to the question, if you don't mind, was there a, a book that you'd recommend or a, a book that popped in your head? Yeah. Um, one that I like, and you can get it on a lot of your, I guess, Amazon.com, and you can get it from Alita PS, probably Rogue Fitness. And okay. It is called Facts and Fallacies of Fitness by Mel Siff. That's my favorite book I ever lo- I love that book. You're the first yeah. person out of all the interviews I've done that has actually recommended that book. That book is phenomenal. Really you, good. You book. almost don't need to read a whole lot of other books after you read that one. It's <laughs> yeah. like, You're right. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it's, you can actually understand Mel Siff in this one, like super training, which everybody pretends to understand, and they don't understand a damn thing in it, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like uh, it's, it's that book really blows it open and uh, – Holy crap! I mean, totally. It, I don't know what else to say. You know, without, yeah. it, it's it, it is my go-to uh, encyclopedia. You know, it's that, that one's good. That's probably one of the best strength training books that no one ever talks about. It really is. I mean, you know why, Scott? Because it's ninety percent what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. All the other books yeah. are telling you what to do. This one says ninety percent what not to do, and in business, that's a very good ratio. You know. Right. 90% of the stuff, the mistakes that you don't make gets you, uh, gets you good in business. You know, not just do have a good product, sell it at a good price, blah, 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 blah. This, this, this book basically eliminates 90% of the bull crap that's out there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I got the core thing. You know, how everybody calls the trunk, the core, right. Boy, right. He rips that in his book and I was like, yes, yes, I love it. You know, it really was. All yeah. it was was a fitness term, and it yeah. branded the section in the trunk area as core. Yeah. And uh, back in the 90s, health clubs were using that to you know, sell memberships. You know? yeah. Train your core. We have a core area. Da, 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 da. And then it caught on to the medical world, and they started saying that, and everybody started saying it. And then Mel Sip comes along and debunks it. You remember that in that book? Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, yes, yeah. Mel Sip. I'm your – I agree with you. So I never call the midsection core. I call it trunk all the way. Right. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the books that I have um, marked up all over the place, like highlights, Parker, yeah. uh, pen notes, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and very, very highlights. Books. Scott, you read your highlights and you're like, holy crap, I don't even remember highlighting this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, thanks for sharing that one, man. Yeah. And then the uh, Donnie, by the way, thank you so much for this this interview. Um, every bit as awesome as I was hoping it would be. And uh, my final question for you is: What is the simple takeaway action for the audience after hearing this session here today? What's the number one thing they should do? Number one thing is this: There is a simple solution for your complicated problems, and that is up to you. There's an old proverb that says: It's the glory of God to conceal a matter; it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. You need to search matters out, and you will find there's always a simple solution to your complicated issues, and that is my biggest advice I can give anybody. Donnie, once again, thank you so much. Thanks for everything you're doing in the industry. I know, uh, you know everybody I know has such tremendous respect for you, and uh, I see all the great things you're doing. And like I said, this I wanted to have you on the show for over a year now, so I'm glad that uh, thank you to Mandy for um, getting us in touch and, and making this finally happen. And uh, I know that the audience is going to get a ton of value out of this session. So thank you so much, Donnie. Oh, no problem at all. Thank you, Scott, for having me. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the session with Donnie. 
And I do apologize for the audio situation there, but I do think that the content that Donnie shared was outstanding. I hope that you got a lot of value out of that this week as much as I did. So make sure to become part of the community at Ardella Training, and you can find some valuable free training resources at ardellatraining.com forward slash join. I do have to say that things have been a little bit on the quiet side for me to my subscribers, but I do have a lot of information that will be going out soon. So stay tuned, everybody. And I also mentioned a new giveaway coming soon called Peak Performance Blueprint. I am still working to finish that up, and uh, I think people are going to love it. It's, I think it's going to be very valuable, whether you're a beginner or advanced in your training. Anybody is going to get tremendous value and benefit from this guide, report, or training template, whatever you want to call it. So that will be available soon. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram. I am at Ardella Training. And uh, that's a wrap for this week's episode. I'll see you next week, guys. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care.